if there's one thing that I could say to my younger self is hire consultants or hire specialists earlier. Welcome to the Spicy Chai Podcast. I'm Mara Kimthias. I host this podcast and still work a successful and fulfilling nine to five. My guests are content creators just a bit ahead of you. You will hear about their struggles and wins. Learn from their mistakes so that you can avoid making them. So grab a cup of spicy chai and let's get started. Today's guest is the founder and president of Flight New Media, a digital agency in Portland, Maine, and that's been in business for over 24 years. He's a nationally recognized speaker in entrepreneurship, digital marketing, and social media. He founded the Agents of Change, an annual conference and weekly podcast that focuses on search, social, and mobile marketing. He co-founded Fast Forward Maine, a podcast and workshop series for growing Maine businesses. Wow. Still wait on. There's so much more. He is the author of The Lead Machine, The Small Business Guide to Digital Marketing, a popular and well-received book. And I just heard that there's another book on the way. He's appeared in Inc. Magazine, The Huffington Post, FastCompany.com, CNN.com, The Social Media Examiner, and many other news sources. Wow, what a profile. Welcome to the show, Rich. I think my bio might be too long. I, I think I may need to edit it down a little. <laughs> it's amazing. It's amazing how much you've accomplished. So, Thank you, Marika. I appreciate that. Yeah, for sure. I'm so, so honored to have you on. And just wanted to ask, like, there's so many accomplishments. There's so many things that you've done. What's your story? What got Rich started? How did it all start? That's, that's a good question. So I guess it all started when I started my company, which is now called Flight New Media. And I was working as a uh, salesperson for a medical supply company out of the Boston area. And one Christmas or one holiday, we had uh, the annual holiday party. And this one happened to be, I don't think it was at my boss's house, but it was at somebody's house. And my boss had hired a psychic for the company party, like just something fun to do. So one at a time, people would go downstairs and they would have, you know, go, you know, meet with the psychic and they come upstairs and be like, I'm going to get married in a year. And the next person would be like, I'm going to get a new job in six months, which I thought was a weird thing to admit to a party uh, at a company <laughs> yeah. party. But anyway, I went downstairs and first of all, the woman was like a spitting image of the woman from Poltergeist who helps get the ghosts out of there. Like it was oh, just yeah. freaky, right? <laughs> so as I sit down and the first thing she says to me is, you need to trust your gut more. And I was like waiting for the, well, when am I going to meet my soulmate or anything? No, it was just, that was the advice she gave me. And I recognize it as being incredibly excellent advice. And it was not too shortly after that, that I gave notice for that company as much as I liked working there because I was learning about this thing called the internet. And I'd always loved computers. And I thought, hey, this is something I could be able to do. So I ended up quitting my job after I'd actually built a website for the company when no one was looking. Um, and then basically started my own company. And that was about 24 plus years ago. And so from there, I, I, you know, I always like psychology. Marketing is really just the business application of psychology, I feel. And, uh, you know, I ran my company for still running my company for many, many years. And along the way, started trying some other things, including that Agents of Change you mentioned, which is the podcast and a conference because I loved going to live events and I wanted to host something similar here in Maine. And so that's where that all came about. But yeah, so it's it's basically been about learning what works online. And then I love to teach. I love to be on stage so I can see people responding to the content I'm presenting. 
And that's kind of what's ended me up at this moment right here, talking to you, Maruk. No, that's a lot. And that, that required a lot of courage to do what you did. And this was 24 years ago. So this was when entrepreneurship wasn't cool. Like right now, it's a cool thing to do. You're Everyone's writing CEO and LinkedIn, no hate against them or anything, so much love. But it's the truth, right? It's the everyone wants to be an entrepreneur. But 24 years ago, quitting your job to start a company, and correct me if I'm wrong, was kind of looked down upon, like, what are you really doing with your life, right? Or Some people, for sure. I, it definitely wasn't as popular as it right. is today. I mean, there was right. Entrepreneur Magazine, and there was Inc. Magazine, which right. basically was you know, for entrepreneurs, but it was a less common path than I right. think it is today. Exactly. And so what, what pushed you towards that? Like, it's like, rather than just quitting your job and getting another job or doing something else, what pushed you to start your own company? <laughs> Some of it was just circumstance. Um, Mm -hmm. At that time, after I built the website for my company and showed them, and they were all like, whoa, that's so cool. They took me off the road and they turned me into a marketer in the office. And as much as I loved my boss, and I really, I thought he was like the best guy and I still do, really inspirational in my life. There was another person in the office I was not thrilled with and suddenly was having daily regular contact with her and felt just like all of the joy of the company, like ebbing out of me. So I knew I had to get out of there anyways. And it was, it just felt like time. And yes, I could have gone to work for someone else. In fact, at the time when I started my company, when I started talking about wanting to get into this, somebody had introduced me to a company that was probably six months to a year ahead of me. And they wanted me to come in and sell websites for their company. And that would have probably been a pretty good job, but I was like, you know what? I've worked for other people. I've never really done anything for myself. I'm sure it won't last long. Like in two years, either the designers will learn to program or the programmers will learn to design. I'll be out of a job, but at least that I would have had two years where I basically just paid for my expenses. That's all I was looking to do. And then of course, over time, I started learning about running a business, which was a whole thing I knew nothing about. And you you can hire people, as it turns out, who are much more talented than you, if that's the route you want to go. And that is the route I ended up going. Uh, where I continue to hire people who are better designers than I was, better developers than I am, and I hate to admit it, better marketers than I am. Uh, It got to the point where I used to make the joke, I make coffee for the talented people in the office. And then we bought a Keurig and I couldn't even brag about that. So, you know, here I am. And that's awesome. Like it's uh, so many things that you had to learn along the way. And the biggest thing that I heard there was learn how to run a business. Like it's one thing to say, I'm going to do things on my own, but there's so many things that go in that. What was that process like for you? Like, what was it like reading books? Was it going to mentors? Like, what was that? Oh, that's a great question. So this is interesting because, you know, I know that you do all about content. And I, so I thought we were going to talk about that and we can. But I mean, this yes. is also kind of very interesting for the people, right. hopefully interesting for the people listening. So uh, at the beginning, I didn't even take a business course when I was in college. Like, that's how far away from this world I was. But I was, I guess, at heart an entrepreneur because one thing I was hugely unpopular in high school. Not something I love admitting, but hugely like people just didn't know I existed. And I happened to be in a typing class. Like it was just a class I ended up taking and it was filled with cheerleaders. So I was basically invisible. Like nobody knew I was there. Nobody knew my name. Nobody knew I existed. So I got really good at typing, which as it turns out is an excellent skill in today's you know environment. Maybe oh, yeah. in a few years, it won't be when everything's voice activated, but at the time it was. So when I got to college, um, I could have gotten like a job share. Or I could have gotten a job at like, you know, the local retail place, whatever, um, or driving dominoes. But I knew I was a very fast typist. And back then we're talking like 1986, right? Back then, 
not everybody used a computer. In fact, you could hand in final papers that were in longhand. And almost everybody wrote their rough drafts uh, in longhand. And longhand for you youngsters out there is just writing print or script, whatever, you know. So, uh, but it got to the point where teachers started to ask everybody to type things. And so I just started putting up flyers around campus. I will type out your papers for $1.50 a page. Uh, Looking back on it, a good entrepreneur would have said a dollar a page as is, a dollar 50 a page for fixing all your typos and $2, I'll guarantee you an A because I knew I was a better writer than most of the people who uh, were taking business classes at the time, who were the people who would most likely hire me as it turned out. So, um, but that was kind of like the beginning of my entrepreneurial journey. But once I got into running my own business, I recognized I had a strong work ethic and I had a lot of hustle and I was good on the sales side because I learned that from my previous job but I knew nothing about numbers. And honestly, like how I'm still in business now is crazy. It's only been in the last few years where I've started to understand the financial side of the business, which is embarrassing, but truthful. Um, But you asked about like books, mentors. So early on, um, I'm really into audio. So I started listening. I got a early uh, subscription to Audible. And uh, every month I would download at least one to two books that were on business. Usually things more on like the psychology side of business, whether it was mindset or marketing or how people think, all that sort of stuff. Found that very helpful. Uh, Later on, I hired a coach and I've actually, I'm now on my third business coach because usually after a while there's, or third or fourth, there's uh, like, uh, what do you call that? When you're getting less out of something. Right. Diminishing returns. Oh, diminishing returns. I was going to say some cost fallacy, but that's not it. It's a good one too. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and then I also got into masterminds and masterminds was another critical piece. And um, I started a couple and I actually have a good one going right now with other agency owners, like three people who have become dear friends of mine who don't compete with me directly. Although interestingly enough, I did lose one job to one of them recently. That's fine. Um, but yeah, so we get online and we, and we talk. Uh, every couple of weeks about what's going on in our business, new strategies, new everything. And and then I ended up hiring a few consultants for specific parts of my business, especially around financials. And the difference in my business, the way it's run in the last few years is just night and day. I mean, if there's one thing that I could say to my younger self is hire consultants or hire specialists earlier. Now, up here in Maine, we have uh, the main version of the S- uh, small business development centers. We've got a lot of free resources out there. Not sure what it's like in Canada. I know throughout the U.S. there's a lot of organizations as well. Um, there's so much free resources for people who are struggling with elements of their business. It's foolish not to tap into some of those local resources. Oh yeah, hundred percent agree. And like a lot of them, um, it's 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 kind of what I do as my day job. So I can totally totally agree to everything you're saying and. Uh, just to bring it back a little bit, like, you know, everything you said there in terms of there were certain strengths of yours and the others you kind of outsourced and recognizing that, knowing that, and then there's obviously there's support that you've taken there through business coaches, through masterminds. And the reason I am tapping into the business piece of it is because so many content creators today, they're constantly working through this uh, question of, do I stay in this side hustle, right? Or do I stay doing this as a hobby or do I go full time? And what does that road look like for me? Am I meant to be an entrepreneur or am I meant to be a side hustler? So for someone like listening to this, who's starting a content creation journey, who's good 30,000 to 50,000 followers in, I would say, you know, getting good, good reach and they're starting to get brand deals and stuff. 
how do they start thinking about business? Well, what advice would you give to them? Um, I think at different stages of your career, you're going to have different desires. Like if you would ask me 20, 24 years ago, do you want to be running your own business with 10 employees and growing? I would have said like, no, that sounds like a hassle. I want to be designing websites. Um, So I think what you're looking for may change over time. So I think it's important to have kind of your own personal North star and keep on coming back to that idea. And that's going to help you decide what path you want to take. Uh, so, you know, obviously, if you're if you've got a full paying job and you're also able to do a side hustle, and especially during COVID, that tends to be something that a lot of people are doing, kind of that double dip because okay. no one's really watching. And as long as you're getting your main job done, who's to say what you're doing on the side? Um, I think that's a fantastic way forward. But I know that uh, before I started flight really put my uh, attention on it. I kind of was doing some website stuff on the side, but I was working pretty much full-time for an internet company, again, doing sales, a different company. And it was only when I quit that job and kind of got rid of that uh, safety net is when I started taking my job seriously, started going after business, started getting that business. That was the right path for me, but I don't know if that's the right path for everyone. I like sales. I like selling. Like I love the energy that comes from closing a sale. So for me, that was exciting. I don't mind clo- uh, cold calls at all. Where for other people, they're like, I never want to have to deal with sales. I want to leave at, at five o'clock in the afternoon, whatever it is. So those are the questions I think you have to ask yourself to decide, what am I going to do? Am I going to start my own business? Am I going to put out my own shingle? Or am I going to continue to just basically be a side hustler and I'll have safety and security in my main job and a little vacation money that I'm earning on the side. That's a judgment everybody's going to have to make for themselves. No, and I like that a lot. And there's uh, two things that I want to tap into there. First thing you talked about is the North Star. Know your North Star. If you were to really break that down for someone, what would that look like? What did that look like for you? Was that like a weekly sitting down? Here's my goal. This is what I need to do. Or was that uh, I know my yearly goal This is, and then reassess? So for me, this is something that I've been working on with my current business coach. Um, and for me, you know, when she's like, what do you want out of life? What, you know, what makes you happy and stuff like that? I always come back to a lake house. And, you know, for me, outside of like my kids, of course, my kids, right? No, but for me, the thing that makes me happiest in the world is sitting on the dock with a cup of coffee in my hand, looking out at a very calm lake before anybody else gets up. There is no place that fills me with more calm and joy than that right there. Now, I'm not right now in a position to buy a lake house, or at least the one that's in my head, but I can rent one every single summer and get a uh, a ski boat at the same time so I can do some wakeboarding and enjoy when, you know, later on in the day, other activities. So for me, it's like, what do I need to do so that I can enjoy that? And so then it comes down to, well, how much does my company need to make? How much do I need to make? And all the things that go into it. And then breaking it down first with like, you know, you got the, like you said, the yearly goals, and then you might do monthly, and then you might do weekly. Right now through my coach, I'm doing something called the 411, which basically is like four major goals. And then you're breaking it down each month. What do you need to do to accomplish that? Each week, what do you need to do to accomplish that? So every Friday I sit down and I look at my annual goals and my monthly goals, and I figure out what is next week look like, and then make sure that there's time on my calendar for each activity. And for me right now, my big three things to get me to my North Star are 
sales. I still like doing sales, so I do them for my company. Content creation. We do have other people who create content on for our company, but I do still enjoy and I'm good at it, I think. Um, and then leadership issues. So anything about like, I've got a bigger team than I've ever had before. I've got some younger people on my team. I really want to bring them up. I want to fill them with confidence and empower them to do a great job. So those are the three things that I focus on. And by focusing on those and not stuff that is really unpleasant and challenging for me and and making sure that other people are handling those things I don't like so much, the company has really grown and blossomed, especially in the last couple of years. I love that that you shared that. And there's another thing that you mentioned earlier that I want to tap into a little bit. You said there are certain people, you know, it makes complete sense for them to stay full time and just stay in that side hustle. And then for certain people, it makes sense to take that like like you did. You Once you quit your job, then you were able to really focus on the business side of things. And earlier before we actually started recording, you said you were writing a book called Remarkable. How do you become that? So how do you know when is it something that's meant for you? And when is it that you're actually holding yourself back because you're too scared? Hmm. That is a challenging question. So I would say is chances are you are already holding yourself back. That's my guess. For the average person listening right now is you've probably already waited too long and not too long like it's too late. I don't want to say that, but I'm saying you probably already could have risked. And the bottom line is it's hard for me to give advice to somebody who might be listening, who is in a very different situation than me. You know, I had very supportive parents and I had a good education. And uh, from the moment I was, you know, like born, like we were always about, you know, hard work and there's a little bit of entrepreneurship in in my whole family. You may not have that. You may not have that support system. You may be in a position where you have to take care of young children and you're a single mom or a single dad, and you may not be able to do that. So I'm not going to tell you to drop everything if you're in a scary situation like that. What I am saying is though, that if you can find that you have a support system around, I'm not saying that you have to get on the high wire without a net, but I'm just saying it's like, it may already, your moment may be here right now. And you may be waiting until everything lines up perfectly. And I'm going to tell you as a guy who's been in business for 24 years and gone around this planet 53 times, there is no perfect moment. You just got to do it. You got to get out there and you got to try it and you're going to fail. So maybe your first couple of failures, you don't go all out. You just try a little something. Right now is actually a great time to risk things because the bottom line is, at least here in the US, there's not enough employees to go around. So even if you quit your job, probably, hopefully in three, six months, if you decided, well, this isn't for me, your old company would be happy to take you back because now you even have more experience or there's another better job waiting for you. I can't guarantee this, but right now it seems like this is a great opportunity to be taking a bigger risk then you feel comfortable with. Yeah, I love that. And I think the way you started off, like you're always holding yourself back. And I think that's something people need to hear again and again, especially for people listening, because they're usually beginners or just starting content creation. And it's so many doubts constantly. I think it's important to just kind of know that you can always do better. And that doesn't mean that you quit your job. Better could be anything. It's finding that extra 30 minutes. It's waking up. 15 minutes earlier, it's eating eating better so you have more energy throughout the day. So yeah, that could mean different things for different people. And I will take a bit of a tangent now because you did mention that you're focused on three things currently for your company. And you said uh, sales, content creation, and leadership. So what does content creation look for you right now? Well, I've got two different podcasts. So that is a big portion of my own personal content creation. So I'm doing interviews on the Agents of Change, which is pretty much a weekly podcast about digital marketing. And then I've got a smaller podcast called Fast Forward Main, which is basically anything is basically, I wish I knew this when I got started in business. And it because I'm in Maine, I interview people involved in the main 
uh, business ecosystem. So that right there could be anywhere from three to five to eight hours a week of my schedule right there. So it's a big component of it. I occasionally write some blog posts, but just I haven't as much as I used to. And most of the email newsletters are now being written by other people on my team. So I'm not doing that as much. And although presenting has presented a problem because of a pandemic, uh, the bottom line is when things start to get back to normal, uh, I'll probably be presenting more. That's definitely the goal. And uh, still doing webinars, like maybe once a month or once every other month, putting on some sort of webinar or event, uh, either under the Flight New Media brand or the Fast Forward main brand. Uh, Those are probably the places where I'm doing the most content creation. And why is that? Like, why have you chosen podcast uh, over, let's say, a YouTube channel or whatnot? What was your thinking behind that? Um, I've got a face for podcasting. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Um, Basically, it's, uh, well, we are looking to get into video. In fact, we had a marketing meeting today where we're putting together a plan to be consistent, which is one of the biggest issues when it comes to content creation, consistent video production internally and perhaps externally you know, for our clients starting in Q4 and then really hitting the ground in 2022. So that will be part of what we do. But for me, podcasting has just been amazing journey. And I'm sure you feel the same way. There's just too many benefits. First of all, it's, it's content creation. So you've just got content to share to establish your expertise. Secondly, if you're doing an interview show like you and I do, then you have this opportunity to talk to people who might not have given you the time of day if you had called up and asked to pick their brain one of my least favorite sayings in the entire universe. But now all of a sudden it's like, if I have a client who's got an issue with reputation management, I can reach out to a reputation management specialist, get them on the podcast, you know, talk to them, give them an, uh, give them an audience, and then be able to get that information and hand it over to my client or just point the client to the podcast and say, look at this guy who I just interviewed or this woman who I just interviewed. Brilliant. You should check that out. So those are just a few of the things. And it's just great for connection. So there's so many things that are beneficial uh, when it comes to podcasting as far as content creation and marketing go. Oh yeah. hundred percent. I totally, totally agree. And it's just, it's just, for me, it's a lot of fun. Like, you know, just like getting to know, even when I'm like starting conversations, I think that might go a certain way, but you may say something and I'm like, Ooh, I want to learn more about that. So it's just kind of that, that ownership and just like that curiosity and just like learning a bit more people that, that I wouldn't have otherwise, let's say by hearing your shows, I can now do so by inviting you over to mine. So it just kind of, I really love that piece too. And you said one of the biggest struggles with content creation, or I would say in general with anything is consistency, right? It's just making sure once you've committed to something, staying consistent. And then at least as um, content creators and business owners, you keep adding to the plate, right? Like you're doing something great and stable, and then you add something to the plate and then everything else has to stay stable while you're adding things on. And those uh, things have to stay stable. If you kind of get what I'm trying to say. Um, how have you dealt with that in your business or in your content creation journey? Delegate and then delegate some more, honestly, like, uh, and this is not something that I'm good at. And it's something that I struggle with on the daily bottom line is, especially in the last like six months, I have gotten so honed into something arrives on my desk. And my first question is who should handle it besides me. Mm -hmm. And I am very blessed to have I mean, I'm blessed and and also it's because of who I've chosen to hire and raise up in my company, but I've got some great people who I work with who I can say to them, look, I need you to take care of this. And they take care of it. I mean, and it's just like, 
and we built up enough trust that I know they're going to do a good job with it. doesn't mean that they're going to be perfect or do it the way that I do it, but I know that it's going to get done. And if I see the final product and I have some suggestions for improvement, we can have that conversation. But this allows me to, again, focus on what I do best and get rid of everything else. And if you're, if you want to be an entrepreneur and you want to be, maybe run your own company and, and I'm a strong, strong believer in businesses can change the world for the better but it's up to the person in charge to kind of dictate the course that you're going to take and dictate the way that you work with vendors and employees and customers. And every day I try and figure out how we can do, how we can be the best company we can be. So I think I got off on a tangent there, but like, that's a big part. And so if I'm worried of, if I'm going into every single client's Facebook ads account to go through it with them, then I can't do the job that I'm meant to do. So delegation is the trick. And I remember I caught a clip of one of your other guests and she was talking about how much work podcasts are, even though she obviously loved it. Um, And she's talking about some days you just don't want to edit. And I'm like, can't remember the last time I edited my own show. You know, I outsourced to a a company. Um, I still do a lot of work on it, but the bottom line is every day I try and find one more thing to take off of my plate and empower somebody else on my team or an external resource to do that work with me or for me. And how early did that start for you in your business? Oh, like last week. <laughs> uh, I've always, I've tried, I mean, delegation is a struggle, uh, yeah, especially yeah. if you're somebody who wants things done a specific way. It is something I have become so much better at in the last year. Um, some of it just came out of necessity. COVID changed everything. And I wasn't in the office with people anymore. And we were all working remotely and it taught us to work in new ways. And um, I also, COVID also, what I had said to my team and to all of anybody who would listen is, Let's be kind to each other. Let's give everybody a little extra time to get things done, a little extra break, and even, and especially yourself. So all of that kind of allowed me to start delegating and relaxing a little bit about what the final product would look like, giving feedback, and kind of, I actually hired a woman recently who was younger than my company, which freaked me out, if you can imagine that, right? Because she wasn't even born when I started this company. But it also turns me into this, position where I'm like, I want to raise these people up because I see them. They're almost, they're only a little older than my kids. Mm -hmm. I want to raise them up. I want to empower them. I want them to be the next generation of people really doing great work in the business world, whatever that looks like for them. Exactly. And and you said like delegation has been a struggle for you and you've just gotten better better at it. What, what was that process like? How did you get better at it? Like, well, again, I'm going to give a lot of credit to my current business coach who, when I first started working with her, I said, I don't want a friend. I want somebody to kick me in the ass. And she's been very good at that. And so she's really pushed me to every single thing that I say yes to, do I really need to say yes to? And what can I do to delegate? And it's become second nature. Like I said, now something comes to me and I'm like, who should be handling this? In fact, today is day one of a new experiment I'm running for two weeks because I spend a lot of time in my email. In fact, and I have a lot, I can argue for hours why I should be, but whatever. I said to my coach, I would do this for two weeks. So uh, I have my virtual assistant, who's actually not virtual because I live with her, but that's another story. Uh, and she is going through all my emails three times a day. I'm not touching anything in my inbox and she's putting them into folders of high, medium, and low priority. And then she pings me to let me know it's done. And then I can go through those emails. So it helps me kind of sort things. And I'm teaching her, we're working together to figure out like, what do I not even need to say? Like what can just be trashed or dealt with or filed away? Cause it's not even about me. And 
that's where I'm going to start to hopefully see more time on my calendar that then I can do more interesting things that I'm really good at. So again, every I don't know how it'll work. I don't know if it's going to look the same in two weeks, but it's about doing things that don't make you comfortable. And this absolutely does not make me comfortable at all, but doing it to really kind of free up what you're doing. And it keeps her busy. And she also does a lot of VA work for other people like me. So this is only making her better at her job too. So when I'm handing something off, in part is to get it off my plate, but in it's part to teach somebody else how to do it. And chances are, they're going to come up with a better way to deal with it than I did. So right. why not get more people uh, working on a project? Yeah. And I love that. I love that you're constantly experimenting with different things and it's like, Hey, what works for you and what doesn't? Uh, and you did mention that you have two podcasts running currently, and you do have like a digital marketing agency. What are your main ways that you market your podcast and why did you choose those ways? Yeah. So uh, we do have an email newsletter for both of the podcasts. And I will say that the, um, the, the fast forward main one is a much, much smaller audience just because, I mean, I live in a state that has one area code for the entire state. So it's not a very popular state. And then you're only looking at the people who are business owners because it's targeting them. And then you're only looking at people like podcasts. So it's a small niche audience, but it does have a positive networking effect for me as well in terms of connecting with people in the state, in the business world who I wouldn't otherwise. But to your question, like, so both of them have email newsletters. Uh, and then we have a social team here at Flight that promote it through Facebook, LinkedIn, all that sort of stuff. You know, we promote it on the Flight New Media website as well. Uh, we might get into doing some, we have done YouTube before for some of these. We're going to try and get back into it. And I'm the bottleneck right now, but we are going to be running, again, Facebook ads for each podcast as well as each episode to see if we can boost some of the engagement there. I've always been hesitant about that, but it's something that I want to try. Um, and we're experimenting with some SEO for podcasts too, which can be challenging because I've anecdotally discovered that uh, blog posts almost always outrank uh, podcasts. And I'm trying to figure out what needs to be done differently so that my podcast will rank just as high as any of our blog posts. That's incredible. Yeah, that's uh, that's something I haven't heard before. But yeah, that's that's pretty cool. Um, and and then obviously guest guest uh, podcast being a guest on other people's podcasts is a great yeah. way because now I know everybody who's listening to you. Yeah. Well, they may also be they're obviously podcast listeners, so that's a good audience to bring into uh, my network as well. Hundred percent. And like, uh, yeah, guest guest podcasting has been a fun journey for me as well. And. What are what would you say are the the twenty percent of things that you have done in that marketing piece that gets you the eighty percent of the results? That is an excellent question. So um, yeah, if I had to think about it, and I'm thinking about Agents of Change, which has a pretty big, bigish listener uh, listening audience compared to Fast Forward Main. Um, one is consistency. So it's very rare, although it did happen a few times this summer, that I miss a week of the podcast. And I was having this conversation with a client today and with an employee yesterday about the power of consistency and how it takes a little while to get traction and then get moving. But once you do, it's incredibly powerful, but you really have to have a leap of faith. So I think part of it is consistent, showing up every single week, doing that sort of stuff, uh, communicating with people uh, in terms of if your listeners are out there and if they are engaging with you, make sure that you're engaging back. Uh, because podcasts can be seemingly, even though it's social media, it can often feel like a very one directional medium where I record something, but I don't actually see people really engaging with it. And even the podcast numbers, 
I question because somebody downloaded it, but they did they listen to it or did they listen to it three times? You know, there's no way currently to really understand that sort of things. Um, so consistency would be one for the agents of change. Having the conference as well was definitely a benefit too, because then it just makes the whole thing larger. Um, and I think having, um, and you do this, I think most podcasts do having a website that either has show notes or a full transcript also beneficial. Those are the ways that I've been promoting it primarily in the past week that seem to have the biggest impact. And I say seem to only because compared to almost every other platform, podcasting has some of the worst metrics, like the, the yes, most nebulous metrics out there. Um, you know, even if you use something like Stitcher, well, Stitcher downloads one copy of it and then shares it with everybody. So it's like only see one download unless you also go into Stitcher. It's just, it's too much work. Right. So for me, that's not, um, I'd love to see my downloads increase, but I'm not going to lose sleep over it if the numbers are kind of hovering or if they jump up and down a little bit. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Like podcasting compared to like, let's say some of the other platforms, horrible metrics. Uh, I know. And I guess it's one of those things, uh, but definitely a great way to engage. And even though you're right, it's uh, it's hard to kind of gauge right away. It's kind of nice to uh, hear from them. Um, at least for me, my audience mostly reaches out to me on Instagram and LinkedIn. It's kind of really nice to just be like, oh yeah, you listened. Oh, great. You, you thought it was great. Oh, that's awesome. So it's just it's just like, oh yeah, people are listening, people are engaging when they send you questions. So it's kind of it's kind of really nice like that. So totally on the same page. I've I've really, really um enjoyed your energy today, Rich. It's uh been great. Thank you for being so authentic. Thank you for sharing all your business stuff, like how and it's so clear to me that you're still honestly still learning, experimenting, uh, wanting to grow. And before we get to our final question, can you let everyone know where they can find you online? Sure. Well, if you enjoy podcasts, uh, I'd recommend checking out the Agents of Change podcast, which you can find on your favorite podcasting platform, where we found uh, Spicy Chai. Um, and then if you want to reach out to me, I am the Rich Brooks on every social channel out there. So just wherever you are, just you'll find me there and feel free to reach out to me and, and make a connection. I'm usually more active on LinkedIn. Uh, I know it's boring, but it's actually politics free. So I enjoy that. Usually politics free. Usually, <laughs> primarily. I'm not following anybody who's talking too political on that. So yeah. Yeah, no, makes sense. And final question for you today. What is one thing you would tell yourself that the, the rich that was starting a podcast? What is one thing, what advice you would give to that rich? I would say as soon as you can outsource every aspect you don't like doing. At the beginning, it's good to do all of it. So you understand it. But once you get to that point where it's slowing you down from the rest of your business or rest of your objectives, find someone else to handle that piece for you and just continue to focus on the piece that's best for you, which is probably speaking into the microphone or interviewing somebody else. Yes, I love that. Totally agree. So thank you so much, Rich, for being on the show. Thank you again. And for everyone listening, go check out his podcast. He's also coming out with a new book. And also, I really enjoyed his last book. So definitely, definitely check him out. And if you feel inspired by anything Rich said today, because he said some really, really amazing things, uh, please share with your friends. And until next time, you got this beautiful. Well, beautiful, it is my hope that this podcast has inspired you to create your own podcast. Remember, you don't have to quit your 95 to do it. And if you found value in this podcast, you're going to love my free training video on how you can get started today. DM me the word spicy chai on LinkedIn and I'll send it over to you. Until then, lots of love from your favorite. You got this beautiful.